Okay, hello and welcome to the Clipping Chains podcast from clippingchains.com, where we are funding the adventurous life. This is your host, Chad Andrews, and hi, how are you? Financial independence won't solve life's problems. We will never, quote-unquote, arrive. We will never achieve perfection. We can't. And here's why. An impactful 2018 study, nicknamed the Blue Dot Effect, a stand-in for the more lumbering, prevalence-induced concept change title, helps us to understand the mind's tendency towards finding problems, even where none exist. The results have broad implications for individuals and members of a progressing society. Just a quick administrative task. I want to thank Nick. He's my latest subscriber over at Buy Me a Coffee. And again, for those of you who are not aware, I fund this show almost entirely with donations. Just to keep the lights on here, just to cover my overhead costs, that's really it. So if you would like to help support this show, you can become a member at Buy Me a Coffee. There's a link right there in your show notes. You can pay as little as a dollar a month or $10 a year, maybe even just a one-time $5 donation. That really goes a long way, guys. Thanks so much. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this fascinating study, The Blue Dot Effect. In the 2018 study, a group of Harvard-led researchers asked, importantly, non-colorblind participants to identify blue dots amongst thousands ranging from very blue to very purple and everything in between. In the experiment, dots flashed on a computer screen, one after the other, blue, purple, and all the shades in between. During the first 200 trials, Participants accurately identified the roughly equal proportion of blue and purple dots. But as the experiment progressed, researchers began to intentionally reduce the number of blue dots, replacing them with various shades of purple. Interestingly, participants began to select the more prevalent purple dots as blue. So they're seeing purple dots, but they're calling them blue. Even when researchers warned the participants, they said, hey guys, I'm telling you right now, We're going to be changing the ratio of colors. They still identified purple dots as blue anyway. Their concept of blue expanded to include shades of purple as their prevalence changed. And this is funny. Researchers even began to offer them cash to keep their interpretations consistent. They said, guys, we're going to change the ratio of colors here. We're going to pay you to be very diligent in picking the correct color and it didn't matter. Participants still incorrectly identified the color of the dots, seeing blue dots where only purple dots existed. But they wanted to expand the study. Because if you're thinking what I'm thinking, you know, if we're just talking about colors, staring at a screen, I mean, who cares, right? Okay. I could imagine if I stared at a screen with a thousand colored dots, you know, your eyes start getting crossed, you got a headache, just sheer boredom, sounds terrible. So like, hey, let's, let's expand this to something else. So to address this issue, 
the researchers added complexity to the experiment by asking participants to judge images of human faces and then fictional research proposals. The results were more troubling. So in this phase of the study, participants were shown faces. Some of them looked threatening, some of them did not. They were also shown research proposals. Some of them were completely legit. Some of them were kind of dodgy and unethical. And at first, again, they were able to correctly identify the threatening versus non-threatening faces and the ethical or unethical research proposals. But the researchers started swapping them out, just like they had with the purple dots replacing the blue dots, and started showing more benign faces. But the participants started selecting benign faces as threatening. They were seeing friendly faces as being threatening. Same with the research proposals. Ethical research proposals began to be identified as unethical. So researchers therefore concluded that we perhaps think that a condition persists even when it has become less frequent. So what are the implications? Well, it really gets into this idea of the paradox of progress. So the blue dot effect suggests that we look for threats and issues regardless of the safety or comfort of our environment. Researchers term this phenomenon as prevalence-induced concept change. This study helps us understand our complex relationship with progress. Much of human history involved great pain and suffering. War, famine, disease, violence, and destruction from unpredicted and poorly understood weather and geologic events. Pessimism became a default cognitive state. Good times were suspect. The next calamity was always near. I mean, you can imagine 300, 500 years ago, you didn't have weather forecasts. You didn't have an understanding of why things happened. There was a lot of superstition around uh, appeasing the gods and things like this, right? So pessimism made a lot of sense. You would be very weary of a series of good years or a series of good crops wondering, oh boy, you know, we're, we're doomed now. Something, something is going to be happening. So people holding these views survived and passed on their genes. So let's talk first at the big scale, at societal progress. So in the book, Enlightenment Now, I really highly recommend it. And it was recommended to me by a reader, so thanks. Psychologist Steven Pinker makes the convincing case that human progress has undeniably improved the human condition across the globe. Scientific advancement spurred by the Age of Enlightenment dramatically reduced human suffering over the last 200 to 300 plus years. It's true, people die far less often from disease, starvation, or armed conflict. The pursuits of reason, science, and humanism generated abundant wealth, reduced global poverty, spread ideals of democracy, and even markedly reduced our environmental impact in recent decades. Unfortunately, objective measurements of happiness and mental health have stagnated. We have not seen as much progress in those aspects. And honestly, that's probably being generous. Marty Seligman, the grandfather of positive psychology, said in a recent podcast, which I linked here in the original post, that only those blinded by ideology can't see how progress has impacted humanity across the globe. 
And that said, and I want to be crystal clear on this, guys, significant problems still exist. Millions of people still experience traumatic pain and suffering. Wars are waging as I speak these words. But generally speaking, the magnitude and breadth of pain and suffering have diminished while conditions for human flourishing have proliferated. The blue dot effect suggests that we are hardwired for pessimism. We tend to overlook continual progress for the latest negative news report, forgetting that we'll almost certainly have better tools and ideas tomorrow than we do today. When we alleviate significant problems, minor problems become significant. In other words, the better our lives get, the pettier our grievances become. You know, we've talked about this before. I always give the example of the you know, trash can in the nice neighborhood. You know, people will get very, very upset if you put a dog turd in the trash can because there's not as many things to worry about. So these grievances become pettier as our lives get better. We maintain default expectations of pain and suffering. So where no pain or violence exists or where it's become far uh, less frequent, we seek weaker signals of pain and suffering. And that's why. Suddenly, everyone is toxic. And that's actually the title of an Atlantic article I have linked here about how language changes and how our feelings around other people change. Even in the presence of incredible advancements for everyone everywhere, strongly pessimistic narratives of degradation, instability, and suffering still dominate our collective psyche on both sides of the ideological spectrum. I mean, this is not just one side or the other. Everyone experiences this. The purple dots of progress become blue dots of struggle. Let's talk about individual progress. Maybe a few examples you might understand at the individual level. You know, I mean, it's very common. We all understand this, that those with professional or material success don't generally report market increases in well-being. You know, one of my favorite episodes of the Happiness Lab podcast with Lori Santos, I have it linked here, is the puzzling reality of the unhappy millionaire. I think we know this at an intuitive level that money doesn't buy happiness past a certain point. Yes, a little bit helps for sure, but past a certain point, we will start to, you know, find those blue dots, right? We'll start to find something else to worry about. The more wealth we generate, the more likely we will hold on to the same old feelings of scarcity. If a web page doesn't load in 2 seconds, I'm out of there right? <laughs> in the late 90s, I waited with great joy for AOL to bark and squawk for several minutes just to connect to the internet. And for that matter, today, some say that being without a phone feels like losing an appendage. I would guess that amputees would likely disagree. The higher we climb on the status ladder, maybe in our jobs or in our communities, the more we wish we had a taller ladder. Speaking of climbing, if we send a 513A, for example, or a 12A or a 14A, pick your own grade, uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to at least start thinking about 13B or 12B or 14B, right? Former stretch goals become ingrained expectations. The 511A we dreamed of red pointing years ago becomes a letdown if we fall on our warm-ups. So how do we move forward? 
How do we use this information? Well, I think it's important right off the bat to acknowledge this tendency towards pessimism. It's not so bad. It's not all bad news. After all, pessimism provides the necessary building blocks to address real problems that still exist. Pessimism in small doses is a healthy and vital component to progress. That said, a deep sense of pessimism, masquerading as forced positivity, can result in missed opportunities for change. For example, I know some of you won't like this, but well-intentioned equity language, that can dull us to the problems we still face. Changing the language to feel better doesn't improve the underlying conditions. For instance, calling a felon a justice-involved person, right? It doesn't add empathy to that person. It's linguistics, and linguistics alienate them putting greater distance between us and the problem. The afflicted gain no solace. Progress is stunted. And as George Packer notes in a really great article I have linked here, these are symptoms of deep pessimism. I'd recommend checking out that article. He has a really powerful section here where he takes a passage from the book Behind the Beautiful Forevers. It's a nonfiction book about a story in the Mumbai slums. It's some hard language, but it captures the essence of what's going on in this person's life. But if you translate all this into the equity language that we're supposed to be using, it's all lost. There's a distance. And I think it's really important to see that and see what the effects are. Anyway, no matter how good things get, we will find problems. The blue dot effect is an evolutionary response that once kept us alive in a world of pain and suffering. But defeatism, Now that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The practice of gratitude provides a framework for examining goodness because it's there. Take the time to appreciate how your life is better or how much better it is than it was for those who came before us. There's beauty everywhere when you're open to receiving it, right? As I've said so many times before, a well-lived life isn't about eliminating problems, but creating better problems. Today, I'm taking time to appreciate new and better problems. Thanks, guys. I want to remind you or let you know for the first time that I write a weekly newsletter that has really become popular in recent months. I put a lot of things in there that aren't deserving of their own post online, such as books I'm reading, various articles as it relates to personal finance or life, sometimes some music, sometimes not. A little bit of everything that keeps you on your toes. It is not just a notification of new posts. You don't need that. I want to add some flavor. And so you can get that there each week. Head on over. Put in your email over at clippingchains.com. It is free. You can unsubscribe at any time. All right, guys. I hope you have a fantastic week. See you next time.